With the big matchup at Rogers Place tonight, we meet up with Eddie Garcia from Locked On Kings to preview tonight's game between the Oilers and the Kings and maybe even the potential first round playoff matchup. All that and much more on today's episode of Locked On Oilers. Your Locked On Oilers, your daily podcast on the Edmonton Oilers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. I'm Eddie Garcia, your host of Locked On LA Kings. Thanks for joining us for this special edition of Locked On LA Kings and Locked On Oilers. Uh, We are both a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On LA Kings and Locked On Oilers your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. And please like and subscribe if you are enjoying this content. I am Eddie Garcia. I am your host of Locked On LA Kings. Tonight is one of the more highly anticipated games of the season for the LA Kings, who are in Edmonton to face the Oilers. And joining us to talk about this is my Locked On brother, Brett Holden, host of Locked On Oilers. You can follow him on Twitter at the Real Holden Forty. Hey, Brett, how you doing today, buddy? Not too bad. How about yourself? I'm excited uh, about this game tonight, and and I definitely want to ask you, uh, in oil country, what's the excitement level for this game tonight? It is big. It is really big, especially coming off that big win against Vegas. It was uh, a, not a tough weekend, but the Edmonton Oilers came off a tough loss against the uh, Vegas Golden Knights at home, and things were kind of going, oh, man, we're playing contenders, and this is what's going on, and then they play against the Coyotes, and a little bit of a stinker there. Then the Oilers put up a pretty good win in Vegas, and everything's a little uh, higher t- today. You know, the Oilers have been allowing a couple more goals than usual, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about too. But it's tonight is really another test, and what uh, Liam Harobin from Oilers Nation put it as for this game is. This has been exam week for the Oilers, and this is the final test. And it feels like this is truly the final test for the Oilers tonight heading into the playoffs. Well, just a little roadmap as far as how this show is going to go, because it is a shared episode. Uh, First half of the show, I'll be asking you about the Oilers. Second half of the show, you'll be asking me about the Kings. In the third period, we'll discuss a potential rematch between the two teams in the first round of the playoffs. But I don't really need to tell you tell anybody this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Why is this a big game tonight? Well, look at the Pacific Division standings. The LA Kings are in second place, which is one point up on the Oilers. Kings with 96 points, Edmonton with 95. Now, the Kings do have a game in hand on the Oilers. They've played 74 games, Edmonton 75. LA wins. They keep the hold on second place and potentially have home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs. At least that's the way it would be if the playoffs ended today, which, of course, they don't. Uh, For Edmonton, if they win, they take over second place and, again, would move into that position for home ice. Now, this is the third of four meetings this season for the Kings and Oilers. Kings are 2-0 against Edmonton so far this season. First meeting was November the 16th, a 3-1 win for the Kings. The second meeting was January 9th, a 6-3 win for the Kings. Um, And there is the one head-to-head matchup coming up next Tuesday in L.A., um, but uh, I think the thing that jumps out to me, other than that the Kings have won both meetings so far, is that Connor McDavid has one goal, Leon Draisaitl no points in those two matchups so far, and the Oilers' power play, which we're going to talk more about in a second, is 0 for 7 against the LA Kings. Now, those meetings were a while ago. Both teams have tri- have had made moves at the deadline. They're a little bit different, but uh, any any 
thoughts on those previous meetings, Brett, or anything that you remember from those games that you want that you think may kind of follow through for tonight, or things that need to change other than the final score for you guys? But uh, just your <laughs> thoughts, your thoughts on those two meetings earlier earlier this year. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you bring up a really good point with uh, the fact that a Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle weren't on the score sheet, or really in most of those games, and especially going into the playoffs, everybody is around Edmonton is going, "Oh, you're playing Deneau and you're playing Kopitar." They know how to shut down players, especially Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle, which we have seen. But what I remember from the Los Angeles Kings game. The last time these two teams played is that has been kind of a turning point for the Edmonton Oilers. In that game, you probably remember, yes, a pulley RV dropped the gloves in the first period, who's no longer an Oiler, unfortunately. That is my Bison King, but we move on. Pulley RV fought in that game. And then in the third period, we got Clean Costin fighting in the third period as well. And, and we ended up with Sean Dursey and Zach Hyman as well. And that was kind of when you realized that this was kind of a tighter group than we really realized in Edmonton. A lot of the 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 flack, I guess, for the Oilers before that had been, the Edmonton Oilers aren't that tough. You don't see them really fight. I don't think they'd even maybe had one fight before that, maybe two, and they were both clean costins. So it really made... Uh, 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 an example of how the Edmonton Oilers can play. And if the Edmonton Oilers are losing, they're not going to go down quietly. And it kind of made the, the impression that they have a lot of different dimensions to this team. They ended up making a couple of really, really good uh, acquisitions at the deadline as well. And this Edmonton Oilers team is going to be a, a very different team than what the Los Angeles Kings faced off against earlier this year. Well, there is some big news today involving the LA Kings. Uh, the announcement was made that it, it will be Jonas Corposalo starting in net for the Kings. And the reason why that is a big deal is that since he was acquired from Columbus at the trade deadline, he and Phoenix Copley had alternated starts every game. Now, on Tuesday, uh, the Kings lost in Calgary to the Flames 2-1. to Corposalo started that game. We thought it was going to be Phoenix Copley, but it's not. So the Kings may have... Uh, tip their hand a bit as far as how this will go down the stretch and into the playoffs. Um, there's one injury note uh, involving the Kings. Gabe Velarde, who is having a career year for L.A., uh, really has blossomed this year, 23 goals in the season. He is out with an upper body injury. Is there any Oilers news today or any recent injury news for the Oilers going into this game? Uh, Stuart Skinner will be getting the start for the Oilers, so no former King uh, Jack Campbell in the net for the Oilers, and I'm sure Oilers fans are rejoicing today, mm -hmm. but uh, the Edmonton Oilers, it sounds like, will be going with an 11-7 lineup with Devin Shore probably mm -hmm. dropping out and Philip Broberg drawing in. Yeah, Broberg drawing in. Uh, but the Edmonton Oilers have had Ryan McLeod skating recently in practice, which has been nice because he's missed the last couple of weeks with an injury. He is out of a non-contact uh, jersey, but it's not suspected that he will play in this game probably by the end of the week. Hopefully he was skating in the bottom six, but that would be a big acquisition for the Oilers or a big addition to the 
Edmonton Oilers lineup here as well. But nothing really expected to change from the last game against the Vegas Golden Knights. And I think the idea will be with the defensive game in mind. You take away the the extra defensive skater or defensive forward, I guess, and add that extra defenseman and let Connor and Leon play wherever they really want, really. Well, both the Kings and Oilers have been very, very good uh, in the month of March. Matter of fact, no one's been better than the Oilers, 11-2-1. They have the most points in the NHL this month with 23. They're tied with Vegas for the most wins. Are the Oilers playing their best hockey of the season right now? <sighs> yes and no. The Edmonton Oilers are finding ways to win games, and they're showing that as uh, they're they're doing that as a team. They're able to move and and beat teams in any way possible, which is really really good to see going into playoffs because that's how you win games. You're not going to be a one dimensional team just winning either blowouts or winning games because you have possession of the 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 entire game or you have a really strong defensive game. The Edmonton Oilers are finding different ways to win. The issue is, is consecutively, off the top of my head, in the last four straight games, the Edmonton Oilers have allowed four goals or more. Not a great formula to win hockey games, especially when it comes to playoff games. Now, if there is any team in the NHL who can outscore their defensive issues, it's probably the guy with 143 points. You know, the other guy has 100 plus points as well. And Leon Dreisaitl, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is probably going to have 100 points as well. Zach Hyman with 33 goals. The Edmonton Oilers are able to probably outscore their issues, but you can't really sustain that Matias Ekholm has really helped with that recently and has really shored up even Evan Bouchard as well. Nick Buke said has been a great addition, but the Edmonton Oilers have found ways to win games, but as soon as they find their defensive footing, that is when the Edmonton Oilers will be playing their best hockey. Well, I know we mentioned earlier that the Oilers are 0 for 7 on the power play this season against the Kings. That said, I can assure you that for tonight's game, if the Kings take a penalty, I will be watching like I'm watching a horror movie with my eyes covered up a little bit because for people that don't know, the Oilers' power play is not just good. It's historically good. 32.7% effective on the power play. The NHL record is 31.9. So if they can keep these numbers up, it will be the best power play in a season. Uh, since uh, the 77-78 Montreal Canadiens. Um, is, it, is it just the obvious that makes it good, or what is it that makes this power play so unbelievably good? Ryan Nugent Hopkins. <laughs> you know what? It, it, there is the obvious of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, but there you go. There's the obvious. You go to Ryan, or Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and that leaves former first overall draft pick Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who's a veteran of this game, who can facilitate like nobody else thinks this game so many steps ahead. He is such a facilitator and playmaker of this game that a lot of people end up forgetting about him. And then all of a sudden they go, oh, he has the puck. He doesn't have the puck. And it's on Leon Dreisaitl or Connor McDavid's stick. He is really the facilitator of this. And you, you name that stat too, and literally historic power play. The thing is that going into the game against the Vegas Golden Knights, the Edmonton Oilers were actually tied for first with that uh, number at 31.9%. They blew up 
against the Vegas Golden Knights in that game too. And in uh, the previous game against the Vegas Golden Knights, the Edmonton Oilers didn't really play well on the power play. So it seems like the word has kind of been anomaly for the Oilers against the Los Angeles Kings on the power play. And plus Edmonton has traded Tyson Berry, who was the quarterback of that power play the last time these two teams played. Since uh, um, Evan Bouchard took over that quarterback spot, the Edmonton Oilers power play has gone up over 5%, over 5% on the power play since Tyson Berry left. So and there's a lot of moving pieces with this Edmonton Oilers power play that not a lot of people really expect. Connor McDavid obviously uh, is going to win the MVP. Uh, that was decided long ago. 143 points, 10th player in NHL history with 140 or more. First to do it since Mario Lemieux in 1996. It seemed to me, and I obviously want to get your opinion, he took it to another level in the playoffs last year against the Kings and he's kind of never stopped that level into this season. Does it seem like what he did in the playoffs last year was kind of where he, I mean, it's hard to believe he could take it to another spot, but it seemed like he did against the Kings kept it going in the playoffs. And then he's just kind of carried it forward into this season. Oh, it, it was genuinely. And growing up here in Edmonton, you always hear the stories of Gretzky and those teams. And my dad is a, a diehard Oilers fan and just, Hearing him talk about Wayne Gretzky in the playoffs was uh, like listening to uh, fairy tales as a child. Now being able to watch Connor McDavid do literally, and it's not even hyperbole or exaggeration anymore. It's literally the stuff that Wayne Gretzky had done in his day right in front of our eyes. You sit there and like you said, how can it get any better? And Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl this offseason sat down and Leon said, you know, you can score 60 goals, right? Like just go and do it. And he did it. And he did it in less time than Austin Matthews last year as well. It seems like uh, maybe it was that t it seemed like last year's playoffs were different for the Oilers from the get-go. They were always a different team. They had everything together. And it seems like since then, Connor McDavid, it's almost even since that game seven, you may remember when him and uh, he came in and absolutely rocked Sean Dursey on the first shift of the game. And everyone went home. Like, what? Connor McDavid's like into it. He's legit and he can really influence not only the game, but his team as well. Uh, it's scary to think that he can get any better, but he's what only 26. Yeah, it, it's, it is scary. That's for sure. Uh, so one final question for me before I pass it over to you, uh, Stuart Skinner, you mentioned going to be a net. Uh, he was not expected to be the Kings or excuse me, the Oilers number one goalie. At the beginning of the year, that was Jack Campbell, but that hasn't worked out. Um, how confident are you in in him, who he has not ever had an uh, NHL playoff start before? Um, your confidence level in him going forward? You know what? Uh, I'm quite confident in Stewie. As there's a lot of things that go into goaltenders. Stats are one thing, and 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 the numbers are their thing. The eye test is another thing. The team in front of them and the defense are a totally other thing, too. I'm very confident with Stuart Skinner. He always has the proper mentality, and he's always worked his way up in 
the hockey ranks. He was the backup goalie, even dating back to SSAC Bantam Hockey here in Southside Edmonton. He was a backup, worked his way into the, the starter and ended up becoming a, a star in South Hockey or South Edmonton Hockey. Then ended up with the Lethbridge Hurricanes, worked his way as the backup started uh, starting goaltender there, went into the ECHL, started as a backup in Bakersfield, then became the starter, and now he's here. It's always been step by step by step by step, and there's never really been a stage that has really thrown Stuart Skinner off of his his game. And he very he he's very he talks about he reads a lot off off uh, ice, and he talks about reading about stoicism and being very stoic. And you can kind of see it in his game. Maybe it's because the Edmonton Oilers have a very good history of anything but stoic goaltenders in the net. Even Jack Campbell, his partner, is anything but stoic. Mike Smith, Miko Koskinen, Cam Talbot, we can go on. But it, it it's a very calming presence that you can have back there for a goaltender who is only expected to start maybe 30 games this year. So, you know what? All-star goaltender, which is not saying much with the Pacific Division goaltenders, but I do think that I'm very confident with, with uh, Stuart Skinner going into the playoffs. All right. So uh, I've had my chance to ask Brett some questions. We're going to turn it over to him in just a second to talk to um, ask me about the LA Kings. But first, we need to let you know that today's episode of Locked on Kings and Locked on Oilers is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. This NBA season is winding down and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's a bonus bet back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point score to three-pointers made. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, Brett, I pass the puck over to you. It is now on your stick and the show is now yours. I turned it over in ball hockey last night, so you probably <laughs> don't want to pass to me too often. That's why I'm a defenseman. But no, I let's be real, Eddie, heading into the season, really, this season. There were tapered expectations maybe to say for the LA Kings heading into this year. Obviously had a, a pretty surprising year. Not necessarily surprising that they got into the playoffs, but they obviously held their own against the Edmonton Oilers. That was not really expected to happen. Took the Oilers to seven games. And everybody expected this team to maybe be in a wild card spot, fight for that third spot. But so far this year, the LA Kings have been anything but fighting for a playoff spot. They have dominated, especially since the uh, uh, All-Star break as well. What were, How do you feel about where this team is now, where the expectations were in the summer? Well, last year, I think, was a bit of a surprise for most people. Uh, I think a lot of people thought they had overachieved. Um, and the Kings will tell you, no, no, we were on track. Uh, okay. but, uh, going into this season, certainly the expectations were that they would once again be a playoff team. I don't think anyone was thinking challenging for a division title necessarily. Um, but there were, there were definitely expectations that they would take another step. Right. And that other step doesn't mean just getting into the playoffs, but getting out of the first round of the playoffs, right. To take that next step. Obviously they made some additions in the off season, most notably Kevin Fiala, 
coming over, getting the big deal, and he's delivered. He's their leading points producer so far in the season, and he's missed a few games as well, but he's he's back, and it seems to be pretty healthy uh, at the moment. So, you know, it was a little bit bumpy early on. There were definitely some defensive issues. Obviously, in net was very tumultuous with the two goalies that started the year no longer in the NHL, one traded, the other one in the, in the AHL now. Uh, so that was certainly a part of the story to get that straightened out. And um, uh, Phoenix Copley, who is not going to be starting tonight, uh, certainly came in and saved the season. And then they went in and, and made a, an acquisition at the deadline to get Jonas Corposal to really shore up the goaltending. But hand in hand with all that, later in the year, you know, maybe around the turn of the calendar, they really started to commit to being a much better defensive team. And even though they are much better offensively this year, much better on the power play this year than they were a year ago, this team will still ride or die with their defense. And um, the goaltending has been good enough, but defensively is where this team really turned it around. And that's how they've played much better hockey this year than I think a lot of people thought. They recently had a 12-game point streak going 10-0-2. So things are looking good for the Kings right now, but um, now there's the bigger test set. Now there's the two games against Edmonton. There's the game against Vegas coming up. There's a game against Seattle. So... Going into the postseason, the Kings are going to get tested, and we'll see if they've got enough and improved enough uh, to be able to hold on to home ice in the first round of the playoffs. Now, you mentioned the acquisitions at the deadline. I want to get to them in a second, but more specifically, you mentioned these games coming up here. But you're heading into tonight's game after, uh, as the LA Kings, you're heading into this game after a tough loss in Calgary. Against a team who, I mean, they're a desperate team, the Calgary Flames. They're looking to win any way possible. But is there any falterings or or, or maybe concern heading into this game after the Calgary Flames game? Or do you think that was maybe not necessarily a one-off, but just a good game that ended up in the Calgary Flames' favor? Well, you mentioned Calgary obviously is is a bit desperate right now trying to get into the wild card. Um, I I think Jacob Markstrom was the old Jacob Markstrom in that game, which we haven't seen much this year. Uh, He played very, very well. But I think the thing that's encouraging if you're a Kings fan from that game is that they had multiple grade A scoring chances. They just didn't finish. It was just one of those games that for whatever reason, uh, you know, either Markstrom made a great save or they, you know, just shot it wide trying to get a corner. So that's, it it would be a different feel. I think if they didn't have those opportunities, it just kind of felt like it was one of those nights where either the goalie made a save or they just were off a little bit, but the scoring chances were there, uh, especially in the first and second period, third period kind of bogged down a little bit. So I don't think that game is going to be, you know, too much of a hangover or a concern. I think the thing for Kings fans is, and I asked this on an episode recently after, you know, when they went on that run where they had points in 12 straight games, are the Kings now an elite team? You know, when you go on a, a streak of, it was a franchise record, by the way, a 12-game point streak. When you go on a streak like that, you're not just asking, are you a good team? You're obviously good, but how good are you? And I think the consensus was, no, this is not an elite team yet because they haven't beaten any of the top teams in the NHL. They they had beaten some good teams, you know, your Nashvilles, your Washingtons, Winnipeg, you know, not bad teams, but certainly not the elite teams. Um, and even though Edmonton is slightly below the Kings in the standings. I feel like they're taking on, obviously, an elite scoring team tonight, certainly elite talent tonight. So I think this is going to be a bigger test. And then the other game coming up in L.A. against the Oilers, the game against Vegas, Seattle, like I said, now we're getting those bigger tests um, to hopefully get kind of battle tested going into the playoffs. 
Now, uh, let's go to those new acquisitions at the deadline. More, I mean, Gavrikov and and Corpusalo, the addition there, but you also had to send off a, a player beloved in uh, Los Angeles for everything he has brought to the Kings organization in Jonathan Quick. That, I mean, we have seen now the fruits of said labor, but that must not have been an easy deal in any sense of the term at all, right? No, there's no doubt. It was uh, shocking. Um, and he look, he wasn't playing well. I know he's he stepped up his game a bit in Vegas, but he was not playing well. He had lost his starting job. Um, so from a hockey standpoint, you know, you could understand it, but from an emotional standpoint, from, from the fans for all he's done, greatest goalie in Kings history, put him on his back pretty much for the first Stanley cup in franchise history. It was still a shock. It was a shock to the team, uh, as well. And, uh, but I think honestly, the proof is in the pudding, uh, since that trade. And there were some people saying, oh no, this is going to mess with the room. Uh, players are going to be mad at the organization for not showing loyalty to a legend. Well, they've played amazing since the trade. Uh, so, and it's, I don't know, it, it, obviously the additions have been a big part of that, right? They, they, they address their two biggest needs in one trade. They needed to shore up the goaltending and they needed a left shot defenseman, uh, to, to, to try to straighten out the, the defensive pairings. And it's exactly what's happened. So was it difficult? Yes. Is there a certain segment of the fan base that's still probably bitter about it? Yeah, there are, but I think in the end we all know, you know, that this was something that had to be done as far as helping the team get better. And it's just, the thing that's made it really hard, though, Brett, is as you can understand, is that if he had stayed with Columbus, we'd all be thrilled, you know, win every game. Uh, but going to Vegas uh, and helping them right now uh, with that goalie situation they have has been has made it a little bit more difficult for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah, no kidding. I, I've been to a couple of Kings uh, Knights games and those are some uh, pretty intense games, let's just say. So I can understand the the little bit of uh, bitterness there for sure. Uh, defense, though, this is a team that prides themselves on defense and it makes sense taking a look at their defensive core. Mikey Anderson, I think we all know my um, preferences on Mikey Anderson, but a very strong defensive uh, player in his own right. Drew Doughty, a healthy Drew Doughty right now. Sean Dursey, Alex Edler, you mentioned the, uh, or we mentioned, I guess, the, the addition of Vladislav Gavrikov. We can go on and on with some of these guys who are uh, playing for the uh, Kings defenseman, but or defense, I guess. But what do you th really see the success in the defensive game here? And where do you think that? Because this is going to be offense versus defense, the Oilers versus the Kings in this game and potentially series that we see in the playoffs. What do you see the real success is for this team? And it's not, again, not only their defensemen. We mentioned guys like Deneau and Kopitar and defensive suppression type forwards as well. But where do you see all of that real success coming from in your own end? Well, um, it's certainly a team effort. Uh, it's not, you know, it, they're, they're the Kings to be successful. are going to have to play good team defense. Certainly it's not just on, on the blue liners. Um, but, you know, when we saw earlier in the year, things got a lot looser uh, for the L.A. Kings, and they were giving up grade-A scoring chances. Uh, and then they, you know, Todd McClellan, the head coach, basically told them, you know, you guys have to decide what what kind of team you want to be. Are we going to be a team that's going to just try and outscore our issues, or are we going to be a team that 
plays the right way because you know I think if we play the right way we're we're going to go where we want to go but if we don't I don't know what we're going to be you know and it was kind of an interesting way of putting it where the coach was pretty much putting it on them you know what are you guys going to do I'm going to I'm not going to you know tell you what you have to do it's up to you you have to do it and uh it was like wow shouldn't he be telling them what to do not just leaving it in their hands but ultimately he's right the guys on the ice are the ones who have to get it done so uh, you know, the second half of the season, more commitment to blocking shots, um, you know, things that you need to do in the playoffs to have success. Um, but it is it's it's a total team defensive effort. Um, and if that's you know, if the King they played a game the other night um, against St. Louis and it was seven six and it was just a reversion to all the and they won the game, but it was just a, a they throw back to all those <laughs> issues they had earlier in the year. And I right. think that was a little bit of a wake up call to say, hey, guys, we're not going back to that. We got it. This when we've had the success. It's playing as a five man unit defensively, taking away passing lanes, getting in the shooting lanes and blocking shots, letting our goaltenders see it, clearing out the rebounds, just all that basic stuff. We can't trade, you know, a chance for chance, even though we won. That's just not the way it's going to we're going to have any success in the playoffs playing like that. So hopefully that game was a wake up call. They did revert back to a, a better defensive game. Uh, against the Flames, but it's going to have to be at another level, obviously, tonight against against the Oilers. My last question before we head into uh, the final segment here, the final period, I like to call it. But uh, my final question here is, for me, with the Edmonton Oilers, I'm taking a look at the entire playoff window or playoff picture and the teams that are in the playoffs right now, and I go, I'm not really scared of many of these teams in the playoffs. I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm just for the, the Edmonton Oilers standpoint, I'm really not. The team that always comes up is the Colorado Avalanche. You go, you're not scared of the defending Stanley cup champions. No, not really right now. They're a good team. You can't deny that, but everybody knows they're going to get their injuries back. Landis Cogs are going to come back. Manson's going to come back. But when those players are coming into the playoff series, it's going to be step one for those players where everybody else in the series is going to be in playoff mode. Do you look around the the playoffs at all and, and maybe measure yourself up or your team up to all the other teams in the playoffs right now? And how do you feel about a potential playoff run past potentially the Edmonton Oilers? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I, I think uh, the West is absolutely wide open this year. Um, sure, Colorado, give them their due respect, but they're not what they once were. And I'm not even sure Landis Gog is coming back for the playoffs. We'll see. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they obviously lost Nazem Kadre. They have a new goaltender this year. It's not quite the same team. Maybe they're just lurking in the weeds and they're going to turn it on once the playoffs come around. But that's that's not the easiest thing in the world to do. I mean, all due respect, Dallas, I mean, no. I, do I fear the Stars? No, they've got some good players. But, you know, Minnesota's playing some solid hockey. But do you fear them? No. I, I think the Kings can be competitive in any series they play against any of the teams in the West. Doesn't mean they're going to win it, but I think that uh, I'm not like, like you said, I think the, the, the key word is, do you fear any of these other teams? Not really. I think if I was going to pick one, it would probably be the Oilers because of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and because of that power play. I do fear those two players and I fear that power play, but yeah. on the whole, I, I I don't know that I would be shocked, even if, well, I guess Winnipeg, if they won the West, I'd be pretty shocked by that. Yeah. Um, but but really, like, you know, Seattle, I, I wouldn't be stunned if they yeah. made it out of the West. 
don't mm-hmm. know that I'd be stunned about most of these teams. So it's pretty wide open. And yeah, I don't know that there's a, I think it's, it's, everybody's got a shot. I think both of our teams have a legit shot. If they do match up and whoever wins it, I could see them moving on uh, to this, to the Stanley cup final potentially. Oh, the beauty of our NHL playoffs. Hey, it's, it's the best time of the year. That's for sure. And I uh, can't wait to get to it. Uh, we're going to talk though about the playoffs here to close things out, but want to remind you that we obviously want to thank you for watching this show, but once you're finished, check out game to game NHL every moment, every top performance, every result locked on game to game covers every game from across the NHL with local analysts that only locked on can deliver follow game to game on locked on NHL available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. So Brett, as you well know, uh, the Kings and Oilers squared off in a pretty entertaining seven game series last season. The Oilers ended up winning it in seven and went all the way to the Western Conference Finals, eventually losing to the Stanley Cup champion, Colorado Avalanche. Um, and I, I think both teams are definitely better than they were a season ago. Um, and I could see if this ends up being the first-round playoff matchup, I could see it going seven games again and being being a hell of a matchup. Yeah, oh, 100%. And it, it's pretty interesting. You mentioned how the teams are, are better now. Uh, it, it's interesting to see... In certain aspects, I mean, with the additions, the major additions that the Oilers made in the offseason specifically, Vander Kane was one of them. They, the Oilers had Vander Kane in the playoff series last year. But really, the new players would be Matthias Ekholm, who they added at the, the deadline, and Jack Campbell, who won't even really be starting. So I guess Stuart Skinner would be the, the new player. And on the flip side for you guys, you also have a whole new goaltending tandem too. So it's such a weird place to be where we're sitting here and almost flip positions, I guess, when it comes to where we were in the standings. But where I kind of have a question for you in this sense, where do you think, if we were to have, or really the question is, who do you think should have home ice advantage in this series? Not in sense of how each team is playing, but who do you think would have a better time with home ice advantage here? Because I kind of wrap my head around it and go, I don't, we saw the both of these teams play in the playoffs last year and great buildings, both sides, but I don't know if either team can get rocked by either one. I don't know. Is is it just me or this has been something that's really been, been wrapping my brain for the last little while here. Well, I think the kind of generic answer would be, it would be a bigger deal for the Kings because having that extra game where you get the second change and you could try and match up against McDavid and Dreisaitl, mm-hmm. but does that really work? I mean, uh, I thought Mikey Anderson held his own last year against Connor McDavid in the playoffs. Um, and he's, you know, he's certainly our best defensive defenseman. If you want to, I don't know if you want to call him a shutdown defenseman at this point, but he's definitely, you know, they, they would like him over the boards matched up against McDavid as much as possible, but no one's going to stop him. You might slow him down. You might try and keep him from getting to the areas of the ice where he's the most effective, but there's, there's no one that's going to stop him. So in that sense, I'm, I mean, it may, I don't know that it's that much of an advantage where it would be against another player, right? Another right. really high level player. You want that last change to try and match up, but against that particular player, I don't know that there's any, you know, it, it's a slight advantage, but it's not the advantage that you would think it would be with other players. He's just that good. He's that elite that it, it just, it's not that big of a deal, but I guess, 
if I had to pick who is home ice advantage more important for, I would think it would be the Kings because of that. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense too. And I think that that is the issue for the Oilers in a potential playoff series is that everybody knows it's going to be McDavid drive settle that everybody's going after. I mean, like you said, it's how much can you really contain a, a couple of players who in 16 games last year in the playoffs had 33 and 32 points respectively. Like it, it's difficult. You almost can't, but uh, do you think there's also a little bit of an upside for the Vancouver Canucks or the Vancouver Canucks? Hello, here for the uh, Los Angeles Kings, excuse me. Um, when it comes to stopping McDavid and Drysaddle in the playoffs, potentially because they have done it before or at least tried to last year, but also you guys have a healthy Drew Doughty as well, which is going to be, I think, the X factor in the series between the Oilers and the Kings. I, I do think the Kings are, we talked about both teams being better than a year ago. Um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, if you look at that series, obviously you mentioned Dudowdy, Victor Arvidsson also didn't play in that series. He's a True. big part of the Kings offense. And I think when you talk about, you know, it's cliche, but a good defense is a good offense. If we make mm -hmm. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl work in their end of the ice, uh, that's probably the best weapon we could have to keep them out of the King zone as much as possible or make them work defensively. Maybe that wears them down a little bit later in the game. So because the Kings are better offensively this year uh, and can, you know, are more of a threat and the power play is a lot better. That was a real, well, you look at last year, that was the big tipping point in the scales. The, the Oilers power play was so much better than the Kings. It was such a huge advantage. And look, as we said, the, the Oilers' power play is historically good, but it's not. I still think that matchup is not nearly as lopsided as it was. Is that a yeah. check the box for Edmonton? Yes, of course. It's it's better than the Kings, but it's not that much better. Where it's just this overwhelming advantage for the Oilers. So the Kings have, have made some improvements. I think they can score better. Um, the goaltending, we'll see. I think it should be better, um, but you know. I think the Kings are better equipped this year to take on the Oilers. If you remember last year, and I know you do, it was interesting. When the Kings won, it was a one-goal, you know, 4 3 3 2 game. When the Oilers won, <laughs> they kicked our butt. Uh, they yeah. were just, they've blown us out of the water. So I think, it, it, you know, this series, if it does match up again, I think it'll be a little bit more competitive from those types of scores. I don't, I don't think we're going to see any kind of uh, really lopsided scores this time around. Now, your team, and going into playoffs too, let's talk about the forwards here, where the youth have kind of stepped up too. We've talked about the Kopitar. We talked about Dino. We haven't even talked about really Kempe as well either. But how about like Quinton Byfield as well, who's been having a really good year? I'm looking at your lines now or the lines from uh, the last game, and Byfield was slated on the top line, which has been great to see the development in, in, eventually into his game too. But uh, even uh, Rasmus Kupari, uh, I love Arthur Kaliev. I don't know what it is, but I just love that kid. I, it's It may be his, his uh, mean face that's always skating around there, but I love uh, Arthur Kaliev too. You guys have really fun young players to me but do you think we saw kelly of in the playoffs as well last year with with the kings too but how do you feel about their development in the playoffs or heading into the playoffs there especially going against we obviously talk about mcdavid and dry but going up against them so often here 
Uh, I think Byfield is certainly the one that is uh, the most interesting because he's uh, played center his whole life. I don't know whose idea it was to put him on the wing and put him on the top line, but when they did that a couple months ago, we were like, what are they doing? I don't understand this. Uh, and there's still a lot of Kings fans who are skeptical as to the impact he's had because he isn't scoring any goals at all. Um, and he's been kind of more of a forechecker than anything. Um, but there's no doubt that Kopitar and Kempe's stats have taken off since he joined their line. Um, so he's had a huge impact uh, on this team, even though statistically, if you're just looking at it, it you wouldn't think he has, but he really has. Um, so it's great to see him doing something positive to impact this team, even though those numbers aren't there um, that everybody would, would like to see them. But he's certainly playing a, a very key role, and it's going to be interesting to see how he kind of assumes that role going forward into the playoffs when obviously thing gets everything gets ratcheted up uh, a, a lot higher. And real quick, Arthur Kaliev has been a bit of an enigma for the Kings. Um, he's second on the team in power play goals. He's their top player on the second power play unit. But Todd McClellan has not been playing him at all lately. Yeah. Uh, and we're all wondering why. What's the what's the issue going on there? He did play against Calgary. Uh, we'll see if he – I'm not – I don't know if he's playing tonight or not because it's been kind of a rotating door on that fourth line on the right wing. But right. a lot of Kings fans are like, why are we not seeing him more? If if nothing else, just for him on the power play with that elite shot that he has. But it, he has not been getting the ice time. A lot of us feel like he should be getting. We'll see how that goes down the stretch. Yeah, that whole situation to me, since the, he came into the league, has really been interesting to me. Because you mentioned his, his power play prowess is... Oh, like elite when it comes to almost anyone in the NHL and he sits there and you mention his shot. Yeah. I don't know. I, I've always loved Cali of here, but uh, aren't we going to have such a great series? I'm well, uh, putting we'll it see. in. Yeah. Open putting our fingers go across our fingers, but we're going to have such a good series. eh? Well, it should be a great game tonight. And obviously yes. the rematch in LA coming up, looking forward to that one as well. Brett, we could go on forever, but we can't, we have to wrap it up and leave it there. Uh, if you guys want to follow uh, Brett on Twitter, he is at the Real Holden Forty, and of course you can find him on wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube with the Locked On Oilers show. Uh, Brett, it was great to have you. Uh, appreciate it. I, I know we're trying to work on a uh, Pacific Division roundtable show again that we had from earlier in the year, so hopefully we'll talk to you then. And uh, looking forward to tonight's game. Oh, I can't wait! Thank you so much for having me. Good luck tonight. All right. Uh, thank you, uh, Brett. And that'll do it for this special show of Locked on LA Kings and Locked on Oilers. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we'll see if this uh, matchup goes forward in the playoffs as well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Have a great day. Uh, he'll say go Oilers go. I'll say go Kings go. And uh, we'll talk to you next time.